home for the best coverage of the Jazz, Utes, and Cougars is right here on The Zone. This is JJ and Alex, presented by G2G Bars on 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone. worthwhile contender and they all say the same thing five weeks just isn't enough time to get into shape oh shape nothing man they're free hell they know everybody in the world's gonna see this fight and none of them got a prayer whipping me so they're making excuses so they don't have to be the chump to get whipped in front of the whole civilized world all i can say is i'm a good promoter but i don't know what the hell else to do i do without a ranked contender what this fight is going to need is a novelty this is the land of opportunity right So Apollo Creed on January 1st gives a local underdog fighter an opportunity. A snow white underdog and I'm gonna put his face on this poster with me. And I'll tell you why. Because I'm sentimental. Apollo, I like it. It's very American. Oh man. Apollo Creed. One of the great iterations of the acting genius of Carl Weathers. Who passed away today, the age of 76. I try to think of all the things that he's done. Easy to say, Apollo Creed. Probably the most iconic, right? Is that wrong to say, Apollo Creed? That's his number one, most well-known role, iconic role. That's how he jumped off, In Rocky's one of the great movie franchises ever. But But don't forget, Apollo Creed, Chubbs, one of the great... uh, Amputees that we've known in a in a, in a movie in peace, role. Chubbs. And the, yeah, I was gonna say, look, when the when the Gator and Chubbs and his grandma, oh no, Gator and Chubbs are waving from heaven on uh, Happy Gilmore and Abraham Lincoln and Abraham Lincoln. That's classic. <laughs> it's classic. When he gets his hand run over, my kids about lost it because Happy Gilmore <laughs> was one of the. It was one of the ones I was like, okay. I think I can do that this year. Yeah. I think I can get away with it's it. It's time, boys. Gather so around. So I did. It was the kind of thing where I was like, "You're good, Dad." I gotta wait till I gotta wait till my wife's out of town because it's not that she wouldn't let him, but if Happy Gilmore's up on the screen, I would get a look, and I sometimes I don't even want to deal with the look. Yeah, you know what no, I mean? the look's never worth it. So we watched it, and then it was what it was, and the boys, uh, they know who Chubbs is. That's all that matters. They know, and now now without. Uh, you know, it's crazy. If you were to say Bob Barker's going to last longer than Carl Weathers, you would have been. Because Bob Barker's what, 99? Um, Alex. He's No, he's still with us. No, he's not. Bob Barker? He passed away in 2023. Why does everyone have to be taken from me Bob Barker. today? Downs. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. So why would you play that? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can you do it one more time? No! Please. <laughs> uh, is that what they played when they lower him into the ground? <laughs> one more time. No, no! <laughs> Come on down! The old pearly gates. So, Alex, the price was wrong. 
<laughs> Bob Barker's I no longer apologize. with us. Well, that was awkward. And there have been so many years that I was like, is Bob Barker still with us? And I was proven wrong that he was. Oh, I'm so like, I, I need to get you dead. like a, a text alert or something I when celebrities so pass no, away. No, I get them. They have them. And Oof. I just, I've lost, I just keep missing on them. I'm sorry. All right. Uh, joining us on the program, he is still with us. Hopefully he's still on the line uh, with us as well after that uh, disaster of me killing people off. and uh, We're going to get hate mail. Or I guess reviving them when they were still dead. Maybe I gave some of Bar- Bob Barker's uh, family a little bit of hope that he was still with us. No, he's passed. 99 years old now, Apollo Creed today. Matt Biamonte, Cougar Sports Saturday. Uh, one of our BYU insiders for KSLSports.com as well. You can hear he and Mitch Harper also every uh, Monday on Cougar Nation on KSL News Radio. Matt, what's going on, man? How are you? TMZ, dude. Just you don't even DMZ. have to read the articles. Just hey. see the headline. Hey, that's what I want. Is my kids? If you're gonna find out the best news possible, go to TMZ. <laughs> That's where I get my it's breaking celebrity culture. It is you good for celebrity. Yes, celebrity death news, and then TMZ takes it another level. They go find out what was on his bedstand. You're like, geez, <laughs> settle down. The uh, horrific last moments <laughs> of Bob Barker's <laughs> life. He's a hundred years old. Of course, of course, he's going to be passing away. All right, Matt, we've got lots to talk about, and not the least of which is now Mark Pope brought up something about. I mean, he's one of these guys that's huge on the let's get players paid with that revenue sharing. I mean, my goodness, we put them across all of the different brands. They're on everything. They're on all the TVs. They're on it. Let's get these guys paid. Are you with Mark Pope when it comes to moving college athletics along to the point of getting players paid with revenue sharing? I am, and I, I hate to admit that because when NIL first became a thing, I loved the original idea and intent of NIL, which I think was really meant to be for the athlete who has a big social media following or the athlete who can go out and generate some sort of deal with a business to where it truly is based on their name, image, and likeness. And just like Mark Pope said yesterday, and I thought he was spot on, it's it's been a catastrophe because it it's it has completely steered away from what it was originally intended to be. And it's too late to get it back to what it was, I think, meant to be. And so I think going forward, the revenue sharing thing is the right way to go for two reasons. Number one, I think it would bring some some guardrails and just some some normalcy to to NIL because it's so crazy. It's it's really bizarre, and, and it's gotten to the point too where some athletes are signing deals. You know, Rashada, who's down in Arizona State, his saga with Florida, we'll never forget that. Promised borderline ten million, eleven million dollars, and that gets taken away and. That's not right, I think, to be selling these kids on these lucrative deals that aren't ever going to get paid. And then secondly, college athletics, the the financials around it, the business model, it is, it's crazy how much money's being poured in. It's crazy how much money's being paid to coaches. It's become too big of a business now to where it's the players that are generating the eyeballs and for them not to get anything when we're paying coaches $10 million a year, when we're paying conferences billion dollar deals to broadcast the product, I think it is time to get the players involved. And it, it is what it is. I, I, there's a lot of the old 
traditions of college sports that I love, but they're gone and we have to embrace what's, what's, what's ahead. And I think what's best for college sports and what's best for the coaches and the players is that they just get a piece of this because it's a billion dollar industry. And for them to be completely left out, doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, on the court, Matt, BYU continues uh, their trek to an NCAA tournament bid three and four in conference. But when you're in the best conference in the country, that's just fine. 15 and five overall, um, Lenardi has them as a five seed right now, and I'm looking at net ranking and BYU sixth in the country. Uh, despite the ups and downs in Big 12 play, this team is right exactly where they want to be, and not, not in a place where we thought they would be, if we're honest, uh, in February. No doubt about it, JJ. I, I, the four losses, yeah, they have a losing record in conference play, but those four losses, they have been in every single game. Yeah. They have not got blown out, and and the I think that's why the metrics loves them is that when they win, they're often beating teams by double digits. When they lose, they're right there. And as a fan and as a person who follows them, it is a little frustrating to see in those losses a similar uh, reason as to why they lost those games, which is just the offense collapses. It has these droughts at the worst opportune times. But it is encouraging when you step back and say, look, this team – they're still ranked. They're right in the thick of things. Projected as a five seed in February is phenomenal. They've got a lot of great opportunities ahead. Uh, this West Virginia one is a critical one because they have played a lot of quad one games. And a lot of their losses have been quad one losses to where you don't really get dinged for that. West Virginia, even though they're playing a lot better, it's not going to be a quad one game. It could be a quad three game, depending on how things shake out with the Mountaineers. Now they're playing great basketball and having their center back, Jesse Edwards, who put up 25 and 10, the transfer from Syracuse and the win against Cincinnati on Wednesday. They're a much better team than their record shows, but it's never going to be a quad one game. So this is a game where if they were to lose, I think you would see some of those, the net Ken Palm, some of those things dip a little bit. They may even fall out of the top 25. It's a big game because West Virginia is playing better, but they're never going to be considered one of the best teams in the Big 12. And so these are the type of games that they have to win if they want to actually end up a five seed in Salt Lake City, which would be huge to have that home court advantage in a place that they played every single year for years, the Delta Center. Like, it would be enormous for them to hold on to this five-seat projection and to play in Salt Lake City, but they got to take care of business against a Kansas State, a West Virginia, a UCF at home. So the schedule's lighten up a little bit, but I think you've seen West Virginia's beating Kansas. West Virginia has some nice wins in conference play, so there's no gimmies, but this is one of the easier ones on the schedule despite the road trip. Matt Biamonte joining us here on – JJ and Alex, 97.5, EKSL Sports Zone. And on his uh, sometimes Thursday, sometimes Friday appearance, uh, when it comes down to some of the more important parts of BYU season, let's talk some football because the Big 12 schedules have come out. And uh, let me, before you make your answer, and you're the type of guy that hearing other people. Before you ask the question, let me just say I take great offense to ah. you thinking I'm going to say they're going 12 and 0. Like I'm some blue goggle bum. I heard that. Oh, blue goggle bum. Oh, uh, glad you heard wow. that, Matt. You know what? Hey, glad you heard that. Can I Hey, Matt, when we bring you on, can we call him the blue goggled bum? Out of vineyard. Matt, Matt blue goggles Biamonte. <laughs> the blue goggled bum. That is like a full on like a character off of a uh, of TV show. 
now that we've now we're playing all these uh, Apollo Creed clips and we've got uh, we've got these awesome voices going on. All right, so let's roll it out here. I said six and six for BYU. JJ said six and six for BYU. Uh, I asked Mitch Harper about it and he, when we did our uh, first and twelve podcast recording this week, and he said. I don't think that that's crazy. In fact, uh, you know, asking a team to be bowl eligible when you don't have a quarterback in, uh, you know, the, to to call your starter right now is a hard thing to do when you're predicting wins and losses. So where do you have the Cougs on your very, very, very early prediction of what this Big 12 schedule looks like? I have the five and seven, actually, a little below you guys. I wow. have them missing a bowl game. And the reason is yeah, the quarterback thing, I think, is being a little overblown. Because we're just looking at the players and we're saying uh, there's some guys that were lower level quarterbacks that are now here. And there's a guy that's been hurt for a while and he's here and hopefully one of them gets it done. My big concern about this offense is actually with Aaron Roderick and and his offensive coordinator tendencies over the years. They've just gone down ever since that record year with Zach Wilson in 2020. And that schedule was so soft. It's hard to say that they would have duplicated that against that original schedule that had Michigan State and Minnesota and other teams on it. 2021, I think, is the best offense that BYU's had, considering the opponents were much better. And Jaron Hall, Tyler Algier, great offense. But even with some of those guys returning in 2022, the offense has gotten worse every single year. And last year was really concerning that they went all in on Keaton Slovis. This is the guy. We went after him hard. He's going to be great. And then they couldn't adapt the offense to him. So I just have a real concern, even though Gary Bohannon's played in some similar concepts under Jeff Grimes, the offense has changed a little bit since the Jeff Grimes era. It's not quite the same offense that he ran at Baylor. I've got real concerns that Aaron Roderick can tailor the offense to this personnel because you've got an inexperienced, albeit talented running back in L.J. Martin. He had flashes last year, but he wasn't consistent. We don't know who the quarterback's going to be. They've got a great wide receiving core, but can they take advantage of that? Can they identify the next group of tight ends and is this offensive line going to gel under a new coach? So there's a lot of question marks that I have there. And when you factor in the schedule, there's a lot of tough breaks on this schedule, like at UCF, that's not going to be easy. Oklahoma state, they could be better. Arizona. Some people have them being the best team in the big 12 Utah on the road. That's tough. Kansas coming to your place. They're a good football team. There's a lot of tough breaks to where if you're going to get to six and six, you got to beat Wyoming and SMU in the first couple weeks. You probably have to beat Baylor on the road in September, and they were not good last year, but they've got a new a new staff, and they've got some incoming guys, and that's not a free win. Like There's not a lot of free wins on this schedule, and so my, my early take is, is five and seven. And look, if they come out against Southern Illinois and they put up 50 and the offense looks great, then six and six, seven and five, that's certainly in the realm of possibility. But I haven't seen the trend offensively these cap last couple of years to just say, oh, they'll figure it out because that hasn't been the case the past two years. Yeah, Matt, my 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 concern about BYU going into next season, yeah, you can throw out the quarterback stuff and everything you mentioned and me and Alex have had this conversation, the quarterback keeps coming up, but I'm just being honest about the schedule. And this BYU team can be better than they were last year and and have a worse record because SMU on the road, Wyoming on the road, SMU especially, 
We talked about this. A 10-2 and team from last year, the AAC champs, going to the ACC. They brought in a lot of guys in the transfer portal. Some of that SMU money uh, got some stuff done for them. They're going to be a really talented team. And then you look at the conference schedule. I think the top when, – when the poll comes out in July, the preseason media poll, Kansas State, Arizona, Oklahoma State, and Utah, and Kansas will be the top five teams. Hmm. BYU plays all of them. They have to play the toughest teams in the conference next year. The schedule is the biggest issue for me. It does them no favors. No, you're absolutely right. The easiest game is the last one, Houston. Like Arizona State stunk last year, but that's a road game late in the year. If you suffered a lot of injuries, that could be a loss. So you're totally right. The schedule is incredibly tough, and they have to get back to the identity that they – established in 2020 and 2021 and whether or not that can happen i just i just like i said i just don't feel like we can sit here and say oh they're gonna bounce back this was one of the worst offenses in the country last year it's gonna be fine even though you're losing guys to the league you might have a first round offensive tackle selected in kingsley suamata you're losing isaac rex like you lost some pieces and to just assume it's going to be better with that tougher schedule that you laid out, JJ, it's it's honestly hard to look at it right now and say they're going six and six and going to a poll game. It's Kalani and this staff, they have their work cut out for them. There's no doubt about it. Matt Biamonte, Cougar Sports Saturday. You can hear him and Mitch Harper. Uh, what time is that tip off tomorrow? I'm assuming you guys would have some version of a game. Is it going to be uh, early enough for you guys, or I mean, late enough for you guys to be able to sneak in most of your show? Full show. Tip nice. off is 4 p.m. Perfect. So we'll we'll have a lot of uh, a lot of coverage getting you ready for that one, and then we'll hand it off to, to to the BOU guys before the tip off. But huge game. Check us out noon to three. Listen to the blue goggled bum Matt Biamonte. <laughs> we'll get you ready to go. There you go, Matt. You let down BYU Nation today <laughs> with five. They, I'm they, sorry. I, I look. I, I want to put the goggles on, but it's the schedule and what happened last year. I had to put the goggles hey, aside for a little bit. Matt, it's important we're honest here in February because if they do something great, it, then people can be excited. But right. we have to be real about. This challenge ahead yeah. of them. We Sub- have to be real about Subject it. to change, by the way, too. That's what you always say. Well, I could change at any moment. If a uh, if if something happens. Hey, if, if, if new information comes along, if Steve Young Gotta gets do another it. year of eligibility, then we'll adjust <laughs> our predictions, right? How dare you. All right. I'd like to see Steve Young on the field at age 60, whatever <laughs> Right now. Right now. <laughs> you, actually, you know what's funny is people would actually give him a better shot. Vegas is all, ooh, they're going up in the FBI. <laughs> I, I know. Move them up. Their FBI like improves Come with Steve on. Young. Let's go. 62 right. year old Steve Young. <laughs> Matt, we'll tune in tomorrow, man. We appreciate it. Yeah, take care, guys. Have a there good day. There's Matt. All right. So we're Listen. not alone here. No. And by the way, he's the blue goggled bum, and he has him at five and seven. Are we being too optimistic? We got killed calling him going six and six. Are we being too optimistic? Mitch Harper was kind of making fun of us saying, eh, six and six might be a, maybe a little bit uh, too optimistic. We're over here. JJ's getting killed by uh, by BYU fans because of how negative he was toward the football program. I couldn't believe it either, you guys. I was shocked. <laughs> six and six, and we're getting beat up over it. What? All right. We'll come back. We've got tons left of a program on a Friday. You don't want to miss any of it. So when we come back, we've got some stuff to jump into. We've got our Jazz Daily segment. Let's talk about the elephant in the room, which was the Jazz not playing any defense on 
on Maxi last. What did Maxi go off for? 51? 51. <sighs> Tyrese Maxi, man. Jazz killer. I've always said it. He Jazz is now. Killer. He is Adam now officially. Jazz killer Hall of Fame. But I'll, uh, we'll hear. Look, I'll reiterate what, uh, what coach, what uh, Coach Hardy said. Uh, at that point, he had 46 points, and I don't know what we were doing not guarding him when he hit that last three. All right. We've got more to go around the corner. Stay right here with us. 97.5, the KSL Sports Zone.